Uh, We're going to be in Judges chapter 6 this morning. If you've got a Bible and you want to follow along, Judges chapter 6 is where we'll take all of our points. If you don't have a Bible or if you prefer, as always, the Scriptures are going to be right up here on the screen because we have an awesome tech team. (laughs) When I was five years old, I received a, a Christmas present that every five-year-old boy would say, that's just awesome. I got a Superman costume. And I promise you, when I put it on, I was absolutely convinced that I was Superman. I mean, I suited up, and I was headed out the door because I was going to practice flying. I mean, this, this, this is true. But my mom being mom... Um, Told me I couldn't go outside without a coat on. December 25th, it happened to be a little bit cold, and as everybody knows, Mom, you can't fly with a coat on. So I was held to the ground that day. But it wasn't too many days later that we were at my grandparents' house, and I was able to be outside without a coat on. And my grandparents uh, lived in a, an old house that was built in the 1800s on pier and beam. You know, it's up you know, high like this. And they had this long porch, and um, I figured that was my runway, that I'm going to run down this porch, and I am going to launch out into my career as Superman off the end of this porch. So I ran, and I dove, and to my shock, horror, and disbelief, I couldn't fly. I hit the ground pretty hard, knocked the breath out of me, cried like a little baby. But I tell you that story so you'll just get a little bit of sense of who I was as a five-year-old. I was living in the freedom of being a child. I was absolutely convinced that I was welcomed anywhere I wanted to go. Nobody had to tell me that, that uh, I needed purpose in my life. I had purpose. I was absolutely convinced that anything that needed to be experienced, I was welcome to experience this. I was a little boy full of energy. And that continued in my life until I was in the second grade. And at that time, something happened to me. Something traumatic in a little boy's life happened, and it allowed the enemy to speak a lie into my heart. It allowed the enemy to question my worth. I suddenly did not believe that I was welcomed anywhere. I suddenly believed that I could not please my father. I suddenly believed that that I wasn't a good person. And it shifted the way that I thought about myself, the way I responded to people. It shifted uh, the way I saw my, my dad. It shifted everything. This one event it carried on into uh, further in my life as, as, as a teenager. I, I sought approval in all of the wrong places. And even as an adult seeking approval, I would get it through my, my hard work. You know, I had a good worth, work ethic. And people would see how, what a hard worker I was and they would approve of me. 
But the truth was, I was still that second grade little boy. They couldn't please his dad. Maybe <laughs> you've had a situation like that. I didn't think I could change. I felt the anxiousness rise up inside of me. It affected the way that I responded to male authority. And I would feel that little anxious place in my heart every time that I would get around a male in authority, but I just thought that's who I was. And I thought that I couldn't change. Maybe you've had something like that, some kind of hurt, some kind of trauma in your life that has misrepresented you to you. Maybe you don't know why you feel the way that you do or, the way, or why you react certain ways in certain situations. And deep down on the inside, you wish that something could change, but you're not sure if you can change or if you should change. Sometimes in our confusion, we try to change our situation. We change jobs. We change cars. We change cities. We change spouses. But the truth is, the real change needs to come with God healing us. So we're in a sermon series called Christian Atheist. I believe in God, but I don't always live like it. And this morning, our lesson is, I believe in God, but I don't think I can change. But I want to show you this morning three ways that God wants to change us. And the first is God wants to change our perspective. Now we're in Judges chapter 6, verse 11. says, Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree at Oprah, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Abazar. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide grain from the Midianites. Now, the Midianites, they were a clan of people that lived close to Israel. And at this time, they were oppressing Israel. They would come in and they would steal all their food and all their provisions. So that's why Gideon has taken the grain and he's threshing it down in the wine press. Now, here's something that I, th I thought was very interesting. The word Midian translates to strife. You ever felt like hiding from strife? You ever feel like strife in your life is just surrounding you and wanting to steal from you? You ever find yourself doing things that don't make sense? <laughs> Wheat in a wine press doesn't make sense, but strife had pushed him to this place. Strife was interpreting his reality. Gideon saw no other way out of this. He saw no other solution, I should say. But what he didn't realize is that he needed to change. God wanted to change him by changing his perspective and ultimately to change his circumstances. In verse 12, it says, The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Now, this is different from the way that Gideon saw himself. In fact, in the scripture, part of it we're not going to read, he says, I'm the most insignificant son of the most insignificant family in my clan. 
That's the way that he saw himself. He saw himself as somebody that had to hide to even get the basics of what he needed. But that's not the way that the Lord saw him. He didn't see himself as a hero. And he didn't believe that God was with him. You know how I know? Next verse. Verse 13. Here's Gideon. He says, sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? We taught on that a couple of weeks ago. When it doesn't seem like God's fair. Here's Gideon saying, this doesn't seem fair. Why is this happening? If you're really here, Lord, if what you're saying is true, why is this happening? And where are all these miracles that we've heard about? Where are all these miracles that our ancestors told us about? Did they say, the Lord brought us up out of Egypt, but the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites? He felt abandoned. I don't know about you, but there has been times in my life when I felt abandoned. There's been times in my life when I was doing what the Lord called me to do and told me to do, and I got kicked out. I felt abandoned. But God doesn't want to leave it in that situation. God doesn't want to leave us there. Gideon felt abandoned, but he needed God to give him a perspective change. He didn't realize that he needed a perspective change, and sometimes we don't either because we're looking at the situation, and we think that we've done everything that we need to do and everything that we're supposed to do, and it's still not working the way that we thought it would. But we need a perspective change. We need to see things from God's perspective. What we really need is a green eggs and ham moment. Yes, the deep theological teaching of Dr. Seuss. If you've never read the book, it's a good one. I, 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 would, I would recommend it. But in the book, there's a character named Sam I Am. And he asks the question, do you like green eggs and ham? And the other character says, I do not like green eggs and ham. I do not like them, Sam, I am. I would not like them with a fox. I would not like them with a box. I would not like them with a mouse. I would not like them in a house. I would not like them here or there. I would not like them anywhere. Man, if you're clapping for that. <laughs> what was the problem? He had never tried them. He needed a perspective change. The moment that he tried green eggs and ham, his perspective changed, right? Hey, I do like green eggs and ham. Now, we have a pastor, Sam I am. And he may ask the question, do you really know who you are in Christ Jesus? But sometimes... People act like this. I do not need that at my house. I do not need that with my spouse. I do not need that at my job. I do not want to be a Jesus snob. I do not need that when I go play. You keep your preaching to Sunday. You didn't know I was poetic, did you? But here's the deal. 
We don't really know who we are in Christ Jesus. We need a perspective change. Galatians 4, 7 says, Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. We need to stop looking at ourselves as beaten down. We need to stop looking at ourselves as without and understand that we are children in the kingdom of God. You are an heir of God. And he's got what you need. Whatever it is, he's got what you need. And you're a child and you can go to him and you can receive it. So we need to stop hiding from strife and awaken to the fact that we are a child of God. If we don't see ourselves that way, it's because we need a perspective change. Now here's the second way that the Lord wants to change us. He wants to change our character. I want everybody to listen to this one because it's going to make half of you mad, but that's okay. That's my job. Good preaching is not always good preaching just because I like it and I get excited about it. Sometimes good preaching makes me think. Okay? All right. Character does not deal with who we are but how we respond. God changed Gideon's perspective. So he could see himself as God saw him. Now he needed a character change so he could live like he was who God saw him as. I'm not talking about changing your personality. I'm talking about changing character. Let's look at this. In Judges 6, verse 25 and 26, it says, That night the Lord said to Gideon, Take the second bull from your father's herd, the one that is seven years old. Pull down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole standing beside it. Then build an altar to the Lord your God here on this hilltop sanctuary. When God begins working on our character, he's going to do it by pulling down idols that we've erected. What are our idols? Baal and Asherah, those, those were foreign gods. And they had set up a place to worship. And when we set up something, we begin to worship it. More than we're worshiping God, you're going to get strife. What are our idols? Anything that is not submitted to love. God is love, so our character must resonate with love. Love shows our character, and the lack of love exposes our idols. What are our idols? They could be anything. It could be money. It could be job. It could be kids. It could be attitude. I know some people that were going to hang on to their attitude no matter what. It could be anything in our life that we have not submitted to the love of God. Even freedom can be an idol. If our freedom is not saturated in love, we've made an idol of freedom. 1 Corinthians 8, verse 9. 
And before we even read this, let me tell you. Paul is dealing with the people of Corinth. And Corinth was full of lots of idol worship. And they would take animals and they would sacrifice these animals to their gods. And then they would sell the meat. And as people were were coming to Jesus in Corinth, they were like, well, we shouldn't eat that meat because it's sacrificed to idols. So when it says meat, don't think meat. In fact, I may just leave the word meat out. Think about whatever it is in your life that we're putting before God. Some people worship their hurt and their, their trauma more than they worship God. 1 Corinthians 8, 9 says, But you must be careful that the liberty that you exercise, the liberty that you exercise doesn't offend the weak believers. So substitute your favorite freedom or liberty or whatever it may be, and you can put it in there. Ask yourself, do you express your freedom in love? Going on in verse 11, it says, So in effect... By exercising your understanding, now you've got an understanding of it. It's your freedom. But by exercising your understanding of freedom, you've ruined this weak believer. A brother for whom Christ has died. And when you offend weaker believers by wounding their conscience in this way, you also offend the anointed one. So I conclude that if my, eating certain meat, whatever you want to put in there, offends my brother and hinders his advance in Christ. I will never do it again. I don't want to be guilty of causing my brother or sister to be wounded and defeated. I don't love my freedom more than I love people. You understand what I'm saying? Let me me give you this, this quick little illustration. Uh... I heard a preacher talking, this was back in the early 90s, uh, right after communism had fallen in, in Europe, and there was a group of, of American women, there was a, an organization that was going to go over to Germany after the wall had fallen in Germany, and they were going to hold the first post-communist women's Christian meeting. And uh, this preacher He was being flown in in the middle of the week, so they had already started their meetings. So he was picked up at the airport by a pastor, and he said, well, how are the meetings going? And he said, uh, I'll just let you see. So they arrived at the complex where they had, uh, just in time for for dinner, they arrived at the complex, and they had kind of a buffet thing set up for, for the people. And he walked in, and he said it was like ice. And not because the air conditioning was on. It was the attitude in the room. All of the American women were sitting on one side of the room. All of the German women were sitting on the other side of the room. And they were not talking to each other. They had their backs to each other. And this preacher asked that pastor, what in the world is going on? He said, well, the American women showed up. And um, they had all their makeup on and in This part of Germany, only prostitutes wear makeup. So all of the German women were offended. And just think back to the 80s. Those of you who lived through it, the hair, the the makeup, it was in excess. 
So all of the German women were offended at the American women because they looked like prostitutes in their minds. And then when it came time for the meal, the German women drank beer with their meal and all of the American women were offended at the German women for drinking beer. So they had nothing to do with each other. We may have freedom to do things, but we need to make sure that we are not keeping other people from connecting to Jesus just because I have a freedom. Here's another example. At my house, I have full freedom to sit on my couch in my underwear. If I come to your house, I don't want to live that same freedom because it may offend you. You, you understand what I'm saying? You know, you, uh, you may have the freedom. Um, maybe, maybe you like pina coladas and walking home in the rain. But there's somebody out there that is offended that you're walking in the rain. And I'm not saying that we can't do anything. What I'm saying is just be aware I'm so free. I'm so free. I'm glad you're free. But our freedom cannot become a stumbling block to somebody else. Okay? Let me just throw a couple of things out here to you. Here's four signs that you may have an idol in your life. Now, these are just signs and I'm saying may. Could you give it up or give it away? If not, it may be an idol in your life. You don't think that it's a big deal, but others that love you do. You may have an idol in your life. If it has offended, hurt, or driven people away, yet you're still hanging on to it, you may have an idol in your life. And last, if you think others are religious because they're questioning your freedom, you may have an idol. But God pulls down idols in our life so his character can be seen in us as we love people the way that he loves people. Anybody mad at me? All right. <laughs> Last but not least, here's the third way that God wants to change us. He wants to change our destiny. The enemy's destiny for Gideon was to hide in a wine press and worship at the altar of idols. But God had other plans. God changed his perspective, changed his character, so he could change his destiny. Remember, uh, earlier on we said that, that uh, Gideon said, I'm the least significant son in the least significant family. Why would God use me was his question. Here's the answer. Because God likes taking nobodies and making them somebodies. God loves a redemption story. God loves pulling people out of the mud and using them for his purposes. Judges 6.34. The Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon with power. He blew a ram's horn as a call to arms. And the men 
of the clan of Abazar came to him. No longer was Gideon hiding from strife. Now he's leading warriors because God said he was a hero. He had changed his perspective. He's not only leading them, but he is clothed in the power of the Spirit of God. He had allowed God to change his perspective. He had allowed God to pull down idols in his life, and God was changing his destiny. I know a lot of people that would say, I would love to be clothed in the Spirit of God, but sometimes we find ourselves stuck with wrong perspectives, wrong perspectives of ourselves, wrong perspectives of life. Sometimes we just can't let go of idols. And therefore, we have a hard time connecting with the destiny of God. You know, um, I still can't fly. Yet. But God calls me a superman. I didn't know that I needed change until he began to change my perspective about me. And he began to change my perspective about him. And I allowed the Lord to begin to pull down idols in my life that I had erected to keep me safe. Most of the idols that we have in our lives are to protect us. I've been hurt. You're not getting in here again. And I've made an idol out of my hurt, out of my pain, and I'm going to keep people back. I've been there. I've lived through that. But I allowed the God to begin to, to pull down those idols in my heart. And you know what? I stopped loving ministry and stopped loving preaching, and I learned to love people. And that changed my ministry. It changed my preaching. I even got vulnerable enough to allow the Lord to speak deeply into those places of, of hurt. You know, it wasn't always easy. And by no means do I think that God's finished with me. But what I do know is that he took my reality of strife, fear, and insecurity, and he changed my destiny. And I'm being clothed in his spirit. I'm being clothed by the power of his love. And that's what he wants to do for all of us. What do I want you to know this morning? We all need change in our lives. And that change only comes through the Spirit of God. What do I want you to feel? I want you to feel hope that strife, whatever it is that you're going through, that's not your destiny. What do I want you to do? I want you to ask the Lord to change your perspective. Allow Him to show you idols in your life and then let them be torn down. And I want you to be clothed by His Spirit and begin to see your destiny more clearly than ever.